Welcome to the Gamer's Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host this week, Ryan, and uh, Jocelyn is not here this week. I want to let everyone know that Jocelyn is okay, but we'll be taking four to six weeks off of the podcast for medical reasons. Uh, you may have seen her tweet online about uh, to that effect, but uh, we'll have some guest co-hosts on the show until Jocelyn's return, and that brings me to my guest this week, which is Crofton, my co-host on Dungeons and Dungeons and Diapers. I almost screwed up our own podcast name. What, what were you going to do if that happened? Well, Ryan, I would say I would quit. Uh, both this show, I'd walk off right now, and uh, Dungeons and Diapers entirely. But you know what? The fans wouldn't have it. They would be like, you know, Crofton, Crofton. You know, it would be it would be uncomfortable, and I wouldn't want to put everyone through that. I know it's been a difficult uh, year so far. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you know what? Thank you for having me on the show. I'm really um, I'm sad to hear about Jocelyn, but also really glad that she's taking any time. Uh, that she needs and i'm glad to uh, to help out and, and and pinch hit so thank you for inviting me yeah well we have lots of games to talk about it's always fun when we have uh, a guest on that kind of um breaks the you know we talk about video games every week so we're usually playing really? something new every yeah <laughs> we're usually playing something what a novel concept you, sh- uh, you should think about naming the show about it <laughs> So we're always playing something new, which means we always are uh, looking for new things to play. But when we have a guest on, sometimes we get to, you know, dig back into some um, experiences we may not have talked about or may not have had time to check out. Or in this case, talked about when it launched a while ago with Uncharted 4, (laughs) Crofted. Obviously, you and I have talked about this at length already, but Uncharted 4 is a great game and you're finally playing it, but you still left The Last of Us Part 2 in the shrink wrap. I mean... Yeah, I'm. I'm so, you know, uh, I know that I've, I've gone through some of this on Dungeons and Diapers. And those of you who don't have children who are who are who are thinking to themselves, why would I watch Dungeon, listen to Dungeons and Diapers? Well, <laughs> mostly no, you playing video games and me watching Marvel stuff. So yeah, like uh, to be fair, there is a lot of the dungeon part is is a lot of this the same goodness that we have here. Uh, with Ryan and Jocelyn on the Gamers Inn. And um, yeah, uh, what I was saying at last episode on Dungeons and Diapers, and I think that we're all, you know, feeling it right now. It is a bit of dry spell in the world of video games. I think that um, folks are feeling like, you know, they were able, a lot of these developers were able to hit their 2020 release dates, but now COVID is is affecting their 2021 releases. Um, there's not a ton of huge dates coming up that I'm, I'm chomping for um for the games and so um i've been i've been going back and, and looking at, at some of my my old greatest hits and i'm not a big replayer of things um but i was looking for something easy something that would go down easy and uh, you know i had the last of us two staring me in the face which i still have not played and and i just cannot bring myself to get in the mental state to play it right now but i i did feel like the naughty dog, you know, AAA experience. So I, I said to myself, you know what? Uncharted 4, when it came out, I was so excited. I only played it through one time. And then there was another game and there was another game and there was another game. Let me put this back in. I don't even remember all of the details. And I am right at the end. I'm at the last last part of Uncharted 4. And whew, it's a good game. It's a lot of fun. Like uh, it's, uh, and it, I, I consider it to be kind of like um, a, a PS4 
I don't want to say lost classic, but like whereas Uncharted was the hotness on the PlayStation 3. I feel like on the PS4, it's obviously only had one release, but as as you know, standards and open worlds have exploded, people have been talking about um other games and even games from that time period uh came out in 2016, still looks amazing. But you know, people will be talking about other games from that time period, not necessarily Uncharted 4. I understand, like it is a little bit like popcorn goes down fairly easy and may not leave a, a, a huge impression. But at the same time, I think it's a great game and it's definitely worth uh, getting back into if you didn't finish it the first time because it's a bit of a longer Uncharted than pop it back in. But if you're looking for like what I would consider like the perfect rental back in the blockbuster days this is this is that game so yeah no really fun and the last thing i i would um uh i would just say about uncharted 4 is this the story in the fourth one is really good and uh, but it's really like i remember the uncharted pop franchise popu- popularized the phrase ludo narrative dissonance the idea that the action on screen is so different than than the story that they're telling so you're playing this really like amicable nice guy borderline family man and meanwhile meanwhile he's slaughtering all these enemy dudes uh on screen and it Mm. really like it really does in you know at least at least the last of us is tonally consistent but man uncharted 4 is like you're playing it the suspension of disbelief knob has to be turned pretty high sometimes to uh but i you know i've managed I think Uncharted Four was one of the one was one of those entries that was a a, a trip back to the well, uh, maybe one too many times for the majority of uh, of um, the gaming industry. In that, like, oh, we're gonna do it again. Not saying the game's bad. Like, I really enjoyed it. I was super looking forward to seeing what Uncharted would play like on the next generation at the time, which was the PS4. And I was really happy with what we got. And I really liked the story that Naughty Dog delivered because they kind of leaned into the one more adventure. Is this necessary? And it was part of the story. And I really liked that. And it also explored, um, you know, we talk about how Uncharted is is a franchise that's kind of like, oh, it's it's uh, you have to, you know, uh, suspension uh, belief and all that stuff. But like it still has characters, and especially in four, you feel those characters' relationships uh, being strained because of uh, of some of the actions that that take place. And I and I really, I really appreciate that. And and they kind of do look a little bit at the idea that he's killing a bunch of people, but not, not not really. Like I think they walk up to that line, but they don't really cross it because it's the Indiana Jones thing. It's like the fact that he's killing a bunch of people. You know, it's it, it's not. It's like in Indiana Jones, like he's a history professor, but everything he does while on vacation looking for mysterious relics, like that's, you know, it's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So what happens when you're, you're off, (laughs) you know, gallivanting, trying to murder some people, whatever, (laughs) trying to find like the lost relic of, uh, of, uh, whatever you're finding in Uncharted 4. I can't remember what the, the thing in Uncharted 4 was. It was some lost treasure pirate thing. One thing that's so clever about Uncharted 4 is the way that it weaves in that story, which is about like uh, Henry Avery's pirate treasure. And in, in the end, like not not too many spoilers, but there is a, you know, a pirate utopia that they built and there's a whole story <laughs> behind it. And you find you find these these 
these bits of that historical story sprinkled throughout and the way that it's told and researched is really cool. And that is what I find so fun about Uncharted 4 because one of the big criticisms, and I think a justified one of Uncharted 3, is when they designed that game, they essentially designed the set pieces in silos. They said, what would be cool? And then they wrote a story around connecting these pieces. So, oh, we could have a burning French chateau or we could have, you know, a, a ship graveyard. And like they try, they then tried to write a story that connected all these various set pieces and, and, and segments. Whereas Uncharted 4 doesn't have that broken up feeling. You really do feel the flow of the story. You're not bouncing around from location to location. There is some changing of location, but it makes sense within the context of the narrative that they're weaving. I just think like your comparison to Indiana Jones, like obviously everybody's going to compare Uncharted to Lara Croft and to Indiana Jones. I, I just will say though, that like having watched, you know, my fair share of the three existing Indiana Jones movies, there are four. um, that uh la 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 that that um that you know like because it's a movie and because of you know how it goes he doesn't necessarily kill that many people per movie i know this is nitpicking here uh <laughs> no, especially you're right. you're especially right. in temple of doom doesn't get really killed that many people and and, and then in the um in the the other two it's nazis and uh, yes. if not you know are nazis people we'll never know but the thing is it's not that many of them that um, that die in comparison to the sheer quantity of people. And I will just just as an aside here. Sometimes I play play with myself where like like there's this building and uh, there'll be an uh, what are what are those transports that carry military like APC or whatever? Mm, I don't know. Like there's yeah. like a a military truck in front. And Drake will comment to to Elena. He's like, "Oh, look, the APCs in front. They must already be inside." And so I walk up to the APC, and it's empty. And I take a look at it, and I look at the windows, and I'm trying to count the seats. And I'm like, "How many people could fit in this APC?" You know. And uh, and then I go in the building, and of course, there's like 50 dudes that I murder um or or you know defend myself from that are in some sort of private militia and spoiler there wasn't 50 seats in the apc uh ryan so some of them were sitting on each other's laps that's all i can come to terms on uh but that said like if you can ignore that you put that aside uh, and you just enjoy the ride the the one time it really the whiplash really hit me in the face with the ludo narrative dissonance is there is a time where sort of uh, you and uh, Nathan Drake and his brother who plays a major part of the story are held kind of at gunpoint by the main series antagonist in the middle of like the, you know, the final section of the game. And uh, he's just waving the gun at both of them a little bit. And uh, you have just killed a zillion people and spoiler will kill a zillion more. Uh, and, uh, your guy's like, whoa, whoa, let's cool down here, guys. Like, let's not, you know, make any rash decisions. Uh, and it just makes it seem like it, it stresses the seriousness of somebody holding a gun and like, you're trying to cool down the guy with the gun because, you know, you don't want him to shoot your, you or your brother or whatever. It feels like for lack of a better term, real. And then you jump back into the game and you're like, boom, 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 you're all dead. You know, like it's just, it, it is, it, it is still weird, but 
I don't let that bother me. Uh, I think post Last of Us, it, it's it's more noticeable by the same company. They they so were consistent in in presenting the violence because you know you shoot somebody in The Last of Us, it looks like you're shooting them. When you shoot somebody in Uncharted, it looks like you won a paintball, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I I think maybe you know with that specific example, maybe Uncharted Four is kind of a mix between james bond and indiana jones where all the killing is more james bond and i know james bond has you know the license to kill and all that and he, he carries <laughs> it in his back pocket so well he's a, played he's a you know he can do that and um but it, it sort of feels similar in that james bond is running around taking out you know faceless henchmen and then you got the, you get to the big bad uh you know um i don't know any you know one of them you know them all you know them all uh the guy who throws a shoe honestly uh or was that that was mike myers movie wasn't it anyways <laughs> what i'm trying to say is you get to, you get to the big bad in james bond and then they have that conversation they are just you know uh trying to for the most maybe in the older films really they aren't just trying to kill each other they have a conversation so maybe that's sort of the connection but really for me it's a video game you know i i don't really uh delve too far into the ludo distance narrative or whatever that and it did pop up a lot with uncharted 4 and it's one of those things where no one writes articles like that about call of duty and i know it's a war game but there's still a lot of stuff that goes on in those games that's kind of it's far-fetched right and uh it always just seems to come back up with uncharted uh especially especially with uncharted 4 so i I don't know um i really like those games um if you are finishing uncharted 4 and you have not played lost legacy that might be another one to check out oh yeah and i i haven't right and that is definitely yeah it is on my my list and uh i i'm i'm excited to uh as as i'm not sick of uncharted and i'm you know heading into the finale i'm like oh wow there's a whole other game that i never played here and so I'm I'm excited to to hop on board. But I would just say, like, I know people are, um, you know, in, looking for perhaps games now, and they may they may own Uncharted Four, have a copy of it sticking around. Maybe they played, maybe they skipped the PS3 generation and they got the Nathan Drake collection, and they played through them all and were like, okay, I've done enough Uncharted, so I'm going to miss the. I I would I make a strong argument for four being the best Uncharted, and uh, I think that uh, if you missed it, you should uh, you should double back. Um, and uh, yeah, that's my uh, those are my thoughts on Uncharted. Meanwhile, Ryan, what have you been playing? Mm, well, I have a, a fun little uh, game that I had actually played with uh, Jocelyn over the weekend, and this was her suggestion that we check it out because. Uh, it kind of popped up on her radar. I think she mentioned it briefly the last episode. And uh, turns out um, it's the We Were Here franchise, which is a co-op puzzle game. And I actually didn't realize this, but I owned We Were Here Together, which is the second game in the franchise. Um, the most recent, actually, there's a new one coming out this year. It's, I think, We Were Here Forever. And essentially, we 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 played the game together. We dove in and it puts you right into the game, like right away. It is a co-op puzzle game where literally the narrative is you and, a, and your co-op partner arrive in the in the world and then you take two separate doors and all the puzzles have to be solved um, between the two of you. 
and it's very communication based. So right off the bat, we get into this room and there's very, it's very clear that, you know, it's very hard to tell what's going on. And the point is you just have to start communicating. Like, you know, uh, in this instance, in the first room, Jocelyn had a bunch of stuff she could interact with, but she didn't have the pieces to solve those interactions. So she's telling me like, oh, um, I've got some dials here and there are symbols, but I don't know, you know, how to, which ones in what order. So then I have to walk around the room and be like, okay, there's like symbols that look like a flower with cat ears. And then, but there's a crypt underneath, but then this one doesn't have a crypt and it's a flower with a diamond shape. So it was a lot of back and forth communication as we were trying to solve these puzzles. And essentially what it kind of boils down to, especially early on, is that the solutions to the puzzle in Jocelyn's area are in my area. And the only way to, obviously you could cheat and you could like screen share and and you could see both screens. But the point is for you to communicate. So, which is great. Anybody who knows me and has tried getting directions from me before Google Maps was a thing, terrible. Not good at doing directions. I just tell you to look it up on Google Maps because I'm only going to get you lost and or give you the longest way possible to get there. So me offering directions over voice chat to try and solve these puzzles was was pretty comical. And uh, it, it kind of worked like that. There was a little setting at the beginning where uh, one of you was the Lord and one of you was the peasant. Uh, we didn't look it up, but I was fairly certain that uh, I was set up as the peasant and Jocelyn was set up as the Lord. So or vice versa. Either way, Jocelyn was running around doing most of the puzzle solving. I was running around doing most of the, here's possibly the solutions to what you're doing. And that first room was basically a a way of just kind of easing you into it. And like, what are the symbols that Jocelyn needs to put in, in order for us to move forward? But the rooms just kept getting more complex where there was whole story being told and uh, not just symbols having to be tossed back and forth, but like paths of which symbols to ser- sort of activate. And um, I think the second puzzle was something to do with like candles and stuff. So it was a matter of like trying to communicate the order in which to light these candles um, when there was like six in a, in a circle. And it's just, it was really interesting. And I think if you're looking for, especially now during the pandemic, if you have you know, a co-op buddy, uh, it is two player only from what I could tell. But if you have a friend that you just, you want to basically voice chat with and play a game and it's a very passive experience for the most part, there was one instance where, um, I entered a room and, and Jocelyn's, uh, stairs were disappearing and, and, you know, going into the lava. So she was running into an issue of Ryan, if you don't hurry up and figure out what's going on, I'm going to die and it's going to reset the puzzle. But in that instance, like you, there was very rarely like a, like a dangerous moment. It was, it was just that one little instance. I think we had, that was our second puzzle, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and we had, we had a good time with it. It was mostly us just trying to figure out what the heck was going on because the game just dumps you into it. But it's a, it's a real head scratcher of a puzzle game. It seems appealing. I honestly was unfamiliar with this one and uh, would be keen on checking it out because I am on the hunt for this type of game. It reminds me like some of what you explained to me uh, reminded me of this VR game. Um, 
what is it called? Oh, keep talking and nobody explodes. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of that one? I've heard of it. I, I haven't played it, but um, yeah, I remember. Oh, no, I did play it. We played it. Um, I think we played it on an extra life stream. And yeah, it's very much like that. The crux is is that somebody has to, like, in VR is the way I've played it, which I think is the best way. I think there's other ways you can play it. But essentially, in VR, somebody has to defuse a bomb, uh, and they have no guidance on how to do it. And then everybody else has the instructions. And there's, like, different modules, and they have time. And they'll be like, okay, there's five wires on this bomb. And then they'll be pulling, okay, five wires, five wires. Uh, you need to, what color are the wires? And then you read, you know, uh, you know, okay, two greens, a blue, and two reds. Okay, you need to cut the second red. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? Yes, you know, and it's, um, it, it's really, uh, and then there's, there's, there's multiple sections for certain bombs, and the time is ticking. And it, it and you know, you're in VR, and you're doing, doing it, you're, you're trying not to have your hands shake and all of this. It was a lot of fun, but it was very much inside the same room type experience that worked best. And uh, I did that and I really enjoyed that. But I do enjoy the concept of somebody having information that the other person does not have and having to explain it to them. I think mm -hmm. that that's, you know, it tests your communication skills, it tests your relationship, it tests all of that sort of stuff. Is that why Jocelyn's not on the show anymore? <laughs> no, no. Honestly, I outside of the whole staircase thing and, and me sending her, her to her death a, a few times with the staircases, because uh, I'm not because in that instance, it was also a moment where for the most part, I was in a in a very quiet setting, providing her with the information she needed to solve the puzzles. And then almost out of the blue, um, you know, I stepped into this room and she's like, oh, the stairs are disappearing. I think you need to figure something out. And I'm in this room and the door closes behind me and I have to figure out the puzzle. And really what it was is like the game was setting up this mechanic where I was the information person and she was the solver. And then all of a sudden our roles reversed and she was in mortal danger. So I'm like, well, suddenly I need information that's in your area so that I can figure out what the heck to do. And at that time, I'm also trying to figure out what the puzzle is because it's not always apparent to you what you what the puzzle is. Like, it's just a room. And in this instance, it was like there was an altar and there were a bunch of cubes around the room. And essentially what I, you know, Jocelyn said, oh, there's a cross on the on the wall. And I'm like, okay, there's no cross in my room, but there's a bunch of cubes and eventually we realized, oh, it's not a cross. It's like a origami cube that's been laid out six cubes in a cross fashion. And when you put them together, you get a full cube. So she had to basically tell me like, oh, there's a compass pointing this way. So I find the compass on the cube. And then she would tell me what's to the left, right, uh, north, south of that compass. And then I was able to line it up with the cube in my hands. Like, okay, this is the one, put it on the altar that allowed her to move forward a little bit. But the fact that it changed things on the fly while also putting this fail state in there was a really interesting sort of mix up of what was before just like, oh, okay, this is pretty starting to get the hang of it. And they're not, you know, they're not uh, expensive games. Like I think you can get the whole franchise for like 20 bucks. It was just on sale. Might no, I think it was just on sale, but but yeah, there's a new one coming out later this year. But 
if you have folks that uh, that that you want to play co-op with, and the game is not something that requires a, a, a beefy computer to play, like these are these are indie games. Um, I was playing, you know, on my on my computer, and it ran just fine, no problem. And I think, you know, when I think about uh, sort of the audience for this type of game, like yeah, you don't need a triple A computer cyberpunk build to to run this thing, and I do recommend you play with Discord as opposed to using the in-game voice chat. I don't think there's really any difference. I think the in-game voice chat is there just to have the bare bones service. But Jocelyn and I used Discord and didn't feel like it penalizes us in any way. It was just easier by that using that method. But I, yeah, I, uh, what was I going to say about that? Uh, oh, I was just going to seg actually into my my game from there, which is uh, No Man's Sky that I've been playing with my my friends. Yeah, I want to hear and, about uh, that. Yeah, it really, um, it, it's exactly looking for that sort of experience that you guys just, you know, you guys just had something chill that you can play with your friends and talk about. But unlike you just said that that game is not system intensive, No Man's Sky, like, I don't know why, like, I'm late to the party on it, obviously. It came out years ago. I, I didn't – it's way more system intensive on my PC than I expected it to be. I have a, you know, fairly large and new monitor and a fairly – an older video card. But still, it's like making my PC cry for mercy. Um, and uh, I wasn't expecting that. And I really wanted to try the VR component of it. And I, I put on – you know, I connected it via Steam Link. And that was like my, – my PC was just like screaming, what are you doing to me? You know, like it just <laughs> – it could it couldn't take it because it's got to render the game like twice or something. It's really, really, really was just a bridge too far. Um, so I was, I, you know, it's amazing to me because I know the game was made by a small team and I know it's randomly generated and all of that. But wow, very still still quite intensive. And uh, I had like a it is not a crafting game. Like it doesn't start. It starts with like bunch of crap is broken and you have to mine ore to fix it like very survival style if you will and lots of resources and all of that and i was expecting you know to hop in my spaceship and fly from planet to planet and that didn't happen right away and they sort of like it's like tutorials for the first like three hours done very well but still that's a long time to be doing you know, tutorial bits and stuff. Um, what's great is you can do them with friends. So my, you know, I had, I had friends in there, uh, doing it, doing it with me. And now we're at a point, like you get to a point where you can kind of unlock this, this summonable space station, like a, a space station, you kind of just summon, it's pretty cool. And, and you can land. And when you get to that point, you can, you know, take on co collaborative missions and stuff. And that is mostly what we do. I do not play No Man's Sky by myself. I only play it when my friends are available. So like, I have no like real progression. My base isn't getting much better. We just, we just do stuff like we accept missions from the central location. And, uh, and yeah, so, the, so we, um, we we've been doing that and we've seen a lot of stuff like and now there's action bits with like creepy monsters and different things that are sort of more my jam but i've been having a good time with it and what's kind of cool too is like it is so chill sometimes that you can just be standing there and talking to your friends and uh, i find that like you know right now that's 
partly what we're looking for. Just something that provides a platform that allows us to hang out together. And you can easily like, you know, connect with all your buddies and stuff and just go, go off, fly around, explore a planet together or take on a couple of missions together. And there's no stress. There's no story. There's no like, well, there is, but it's not good. And it's very easy. <laughs> you don't to, need to do the story. You know, you, know, you don't really need to do it. And, and also like your, your friends, like they'll go off and, uh, and they can play, if they want to play solo, they can get a bunch of stuff and uh, it doesn't really change much. Like, you know, you can still do missions with them. It's not like an MMO where somebody gets so far ahead on level. You're like, oh, I can't play with you anymore. So, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. And I would say to your listeners, like, you know, I know No Man's Sky is a popular one. It's one where the story of the game is very well known to everyone, how it, how it launched and where it's at now and, and stuff. But I had I had not played it. And, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be so scary in terms of the amount of content and it rolls out quite quite easily and i think a lot of people still think about it as as a single player game i would say that it's at its best when you're hanging out with friends so if you're looking for a game that you hang out with your buddies you can play with when you want it's pretty good yeah well i'm i'm curious uh i i remember so no man's sky i remember playing at launch on the playstation 4 and obviously it had all those issues and I've always been interested in going back. I think I jumped back in when they added true multiplayer. And uh, again, like that was base uh, launch PlayStation 4 still. And it, it had some issues like it it chugged. But now I'm like, I have the PS5. Uh, it's on Game Pass, so I could technically play it on the Xbox One X or the PC. Uh, but there is crossplay, so I I feel like maybe I need to jump back in. I do have it downloaded on the PlayStation Five, maybe because um, there's crossplay as well. So you guys are all on PC, right? Your, you and your your buddies. This is it is. It, I'm glad you mentioned that because we did struggle a little bit with, with No Man's Sky has its own friends list, which allows you to bring these disparate pieces together. Because normally we would all be on Steam, but I have Game Pass right now. And the Game Pass version, like I'm in my Xbox profile. And so, you know, playing with somebody who's on Steam, it, it's it's not as lickety split as that it would be normally. And, and they've built in this No Man's Sky friend code that you can input. And you kind of see the symbol, like it's like cross-play when, when I'm playing and they see my name on their screen, they see a little Xbox symbol next to it. And I see a little mouse and keyboard symbol next to theirs, right? So mm-hmm. my symbol looks more awesome, just FYI. No, 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 that's important. You need to make sure that, that that is the case. And and that's the thing you mentioned VR. I as soon as it came to Game Pass, I was like, oh, I kind of want to figure out VR for the just to try it because. And it's 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 been a while since I've done that, but I have to say, like again, I I got like motion sick almost, and I never get motion sick because of the chugging because my computer was again like why crafting why and and, but the moment the time that i did play it i really was like wow they have done an insanely awesome job of making this immersive and they there's like down to like the motion controls uh you're able to lift up your cockpit and open it up pull it down when you're sitting in your cockpit the view that you have at the mouse and keyboard, you're, it's a fixed thing. You're only looking ahead. You can like look down. You can you know look at everything in your cockpit. And the way that you control the throttle 
and the turning and like you hold these sort of two imaginary joysticks. You can't see how I'm holding my hands right now, but just trust I can me, picture one, it. one is holding a joystick and one is holding like a, a throttle that goes up and down. And with the touch controllers, it is awesome. It feels so good. And as I'm doing it, I'm just like, oh my God, if I could just have these the, the graphics that I have on my screen and the, the, the smoothness that I have on my, my, my screen, but in VR, this would be amazing. I would play it in VR all the time. And so it's got me thinking about like new PCs and all that as I think about like, Oh, should I get a PS five? Should I try to get that? Or should I try to get a new PC? Well, one of the, one of the big things that the, the PC is that I would be able to play no man's sky in VR at a high quality. And uh, the limited experience that I had was like, crazy like when you think the of the mind-blowingness that that no man's sky just has in the sense of uh, of getting in your plane and and i know i didn't describe what the game was which is what i normally would do but i sort of feel that your listeners would be pretty familiar with it at this point yeah um the 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 idea is that it's a randomly generated universe and that you can get in a cockpit in a spaceship on a planet that you can fly all over and you can just go out of the atmosphere and you're in space and then you can hit the hyperdrive and go to another galaxy. It's all randomly generated. It is, uh, that is just insane to experience on a PC or an Xbox or a, a PS4. Like that's a, an amazing experience doing that in VR that it's like, it's next level. It's crazy. Like, um, and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I would very much like to be at a point where, where, uh, I could do that. But if you do have the tools and the opportunity to do it, it is very easy when you have no man's sky installed on your computer, you double click on it or you run it, you get two options, run the game or run it in VR. You just choose oh. run it in VR and boom, you're off to the races. Well, I, I, I think I need to carve out some VR time. Cause I think I've started to build up some experiences to go back to. I think I have. So Facebook will just keep Facebook keeps sending me like $14 credits. It's probably because I don't buy enough on their store. So they're like, here's 14 bucks. And every time they do that, it, it, um, it, I think it expires within like a two weeks of them adding it to my, adding it to my account. So I just like, uh, I either buy, um, DLC for, uh, Beat Saber or I'll buy an episode of that, uh, Darth Vader Immortals, uh, series, so I think now I'm like working my way towards buying episode two. And I, I, I think three, three or four months ago, I'd say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play the, this first episode. And then by the time I, I want to go back and play more, I'll, I'll have another credit advance. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I think um, it's really weird that they do that. But it, hey, I'm not going to complain. They just released this new um, game. uh Crytek had put out this game called The Climb, which was like a rock climbing game. I never really played it. The price was always quite yeah. high. And I was just like, oh, it's rock climbing or whatever. I But but um, they just released the sequel and the reviews are really good for it. And Oculus Quest only, which is what what I got. Um, and, I, you know, I, I feel like um, it might be worth a shot. But again, like it's... It, even though 40 bucks isn't the same as like the 80 bucks Canadian that you're, you're dropping for a, uh, for a, a PS five or PS four game, you know, you're likely going to play those games through. Whereas, whereas the VR experiences, they can be huge hits, but sometimes they can be misses as well. And you got to be in the right mood. You got to have the right amount of energy. No man's sky VR is the first, one of the first VR experiences I played seated. Um, and uh, normally I, 
I, I play them all standing and all of this, but I felt like it was almost better designed to be seated. And that made it more comfortable. And I feel like I could take on longer play sessions. If again, my computer was up to snuff, which it's not. Sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. Daddy love you. It'll get there. It'll get there. Uh, it's uh, well, you know, here's a game that you could easily play on any computer. Uh, look at me bringing these, bringing these hits that don't require the AAA cyberpunk build. Although I suppose I could should come up with a new game after. Well, we won't get into that. Um, but I played Loop Hero, which is the current indie darling. Uh, you know, everyone's talking about it, uh, and it's it's this week's big big indie release like big surprise oh my god that you got to play this game have you heard of loop hero and it's one of those games that uh is is a very bite-sized experience i think it's like just uh under around 100 megs or something it's very small and it's got that like old school uh nes sort of feel to it it's got like a crt filter i actually had to change a setting on it and they provide you with these settings you can turn off the crt filter although i kept it on because it's it looks really cool but there's like font settings so they use a very like 8-bit nes style font and you can change that to a more high-res font because it was kind of hard to read but all the options are, are there right at the beginning but essentially loop hero which is i think available on steam for 20 bucks it'll run on uh, i've been playing it on mac but you can also play it on pc as well and it's like a hero it's like one of those you know hero clicker games the set it and forget it like run it in the background check in on it process it and move forward um i don't i haven't played a lot of those games uh i don't i don't think i've really played one of them i'm trying to remember if there's any that i've played in that that vein but it's never really been my thing to kind of have something running in the background and then check in on it i guess the closest thing would be some mobile games that you just like auto run walk away come back tap on your screen to make sure your phone doesn't you know go into standby mode and, and go back to making your coffee or whatever but um loop hero like everything's automated but there are reasons for you to kind of stay on top of it it's kind of a weirdly passive experience but also one that requires you to be paying attention especially as the loops go forward so essentially the idea is your character starting off uh, it's a warrior class your character is there and the world has been um erased by this weird skeleton mage and um the idea is you remember the old world no one else really does but you're there to build back the world one loop at a time so the game starts out it looks like a little gravel path it's procedurally generated and it's put forth uh for your hero and then automatically your hero will start running the loop and as you run the loop there are these little monsters scattered across the loop starting with these like green blobs and as your character walks along the loop and runs into these monsters a little automated battle screen will pop up and it appears it's kind of turn-based Again, you're not doing anything. You're not interacting. You're not pushing your character across the loop. It's all automated. And again, like this probably sounds quite boring. And also the look of the game, if you look it up, it's very NES style. It's got a very specific graphic style. And it's not like the first thing that came to mind was mm -hmm. they are emulating the NES style very faithfully as opposed to, you know, our traditional thought of the 8-bit 
16-bit traditional uh, or 18-bit um, sort of homage where they've HD'd it up. In this case, I feel like they really did stick to um, that look and feel and sound-wise too. Like all the music, all the sound, it's all like blips and blurts and stuff like that. It reminds me of that, you know, 80s era of video games that I that I did dabble in, you know, not I, in the 90s, but, you know. And Loop Hero is like, um, you know, I it's this is one of those games that really tempts me, but mm-hmm. it's 20, 20 bucks Canadian, and it's one of those things where I just am like, already I can tell it's a game that I want on my phone. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, or or I want on Switch, and I know that, let's be honest, it just has sold a bazillion copies. It's going to come out for those. But if I'm not going to have it in those formats, and I want it on Game Pass, which for PC, which is what I... No, I have Game Pass for PC and a lot of the Devolver Digital stuff, uh, which is often really good. Like, honestly, those guys have been crushing it for a long time. Like, I think people think about Hotline Miami and some other stuff, but, oh, man, they have just... There's a lot of good games. And, like, Fall Guys, obviously, last year was a a huge financial success for them. But, like, Enter the Gungeon, uh, you know, like, uh, um, a uh, a lot of these games, when I see their name... Uh, I, I, you know, I pay, I pay attention as a publisher, Ape Out, Katana Zero, a lot of these great games. Um, and, and so this one appeals to me and I know, like, I know that I would, I would like it. And I, I kind of ache for a game like, like that, a, a, a Slay the Spire or a Hearthstone, uh, in a way that's like not a full meal in the sense that it's going to absorb all of your attention, but just something that's kind of like fun and all that. But it is it is funny how the, the the finances of games work. I can easily afford to buy this game, but yet I have an active Game Pass game uh, subscription with tons of games that I am not not playing, including some Devolver Digital games. Like I've wanted to play my friend Pedro. I think it's on there. I never downloaded that or whatever. There's a bunch of these other games, and so. I sort of feel like I can wait out Loop Hero and until that it comes either to Game Pass or to my phone, which would, I think, be my, you know, from what I can tell of the game, my preferred way of playing it. But I also do feel that the moment I do play it, I'm going to be like, why did I wait so long to play this game? It's just a lot of fun, you know? I think, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, I think that my experience with the game is that, yeah, at first glance, definitely feels like on the phone to be able to queue up a loop and go pay attention to something else, have it run in the background. I, I, It is tempting to have that happen, but as the loops progress and as you're defeating enemies, you are, uh, you, are, you are having loot drop. So you're getting equipment for your character that you can then equip. And there are two phases. There's the adventuring phase, and then there's the planning phase, which you can switch between at a push of a button. The planning phase, uh, you can't switch to planning unless you're outside of combat. Um, so you have to let the combat sort of play through before you can go and and uh, go into the planning phase. But you can equip items in your inventory whenever you want. You just drag them over to your equipment slot. And then depending on the class, you know, if you're the warrior class at the very beginning of the game, you have um, a weapon, uh, armor, and a, and a shield. Uh, but then you can unlock further classes. Uh, and uh, those have different equipment. So, for example, the rogue, he, he can do a wield. Um, but he can't carry, obviously can't carry a shield. So there's some differences there and it keeps building, building on from there. But also the whole point of the game is you're trying to rebuild the world. So you're also picking up these, uh, 
I don't know what they're called, but I'm kind of calling them like landscape cards. So, and those cards are, you know, they can be used to add new things to the loop. Um, and for one example, a grove card. So that grove, not grover card, but a grove card. And you're placing it on the loop. And every time you pass through it, you're getting a resource, but also every two days, um, I think they called it like a rat dog or something spawns and then an, a different enemy than the green blob a little stronger so every time you go through that loop you're now fighting blobs but also this this rat dog or whatever uh at that specific spot and the whole reason for laying these landscape cards is so that you can rebuild the world to have the boss spawn and the boss spawning completes that has you finishing uh, that specific expedition uh, and and progresses the story further. You don't need to fight the boss to exit the loop. You can exit the loop anytime um, when you uh, the loop ends every time you hit your camp. So every time you get to um, what is essentially the go of Monopoly, you get to your campfire or your campsite site, and then you can leave and take a hundred percent of your resources. If you die on the loop, you leave with 30% of your resources. And I found out today that if you try to leave when you're not at your campsite, but not in combat or dying, you can take 60% of your resources. So there's this gamble as well as you progress through the loops and you're on like the sixth or seventh loop and you're carrying, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I've got all these resources built up. I could leave now with these resources, go into the... Um, the meta phase where you're building your uh, building and crafting. Um, so you're building up your sort of establishment with other characters that you've come across. You're building like a graveyard and uh, new houses and stuff. And that gives you, that's the roguelike side of it where you're building up your character to be, to have more stuff, to be stronger, to be able to progress through the, the loops further and therefore beating that, that chapter and so on. So there's this like, this 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 you know treadmill aspect of your you're constantly moving you're constantly being pushed to go further and further and further there's the risk reward so like i think it really fits well on computer because or uh, because you can sort of queue up a loop passively pay attention to it go to something else come back to it but as you progress through the loops you're actually having to pay way more attention especially late later in the game because if you are not paying attention in like the eighth loop, like you could easily die when you could have left the loop and, and kept 60% of your, of your resources. So there's like a lot to this game that is, as I can, as you can tell, very hard to explain. And even when you go to the, the steam page, I think you just have to kind of, you have to accept what the game is and then jump in because it is, it is very interesting. It's hard to explain why it's, captured my attention so much because it is really like something i've really never played before uh yeah and that's you know what like that's what i've heard on other podcasts uh that's what i've heard uh in reviews that's what like people use that analogy often something that I, they've never played before and so uh, i think that you know that that does sound appealing and again like not to bend over backwards to give Devolver Digital uh, more praise here, but they just they just keep doing this sort of thing where they, where they they're it's not like multi zillion dollar projects. They're like helping these 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 startups as a publisher, and uh, you know then they they have these mega hits like 
like the profit margin of Loop Hero has got to be insane. The amount of sales that Loop Hero has made and what it likely costs to make in comparison to those sales. Same with Fall Guys, like the money that that game has made. Like, I I am so glad that there's a there's a publishing company like Devolver out there doing this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they, you know, finding these 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 folks and supporting them and getting their products out the door and. I mean, it it is it is really cool. And when I hear there's a new Devolver game, I'm always now I'm always now curious. Even if it's not a me thing, I'm curious to check it out because I have tried like some of the auto battler stuff, like um, Hearthstone Battlegrounds and some of that. And that stuff is not for me, like where you just sort of let it go. So maybe Loop Hero won't be for me necessarily, but I'm gonna give it a. I at one point or another, I'm gonna give it a shot. Too many people have told me it's too interesting not to try. Yeah, I I think that uh, the other thing about this is that I, I, I think I've put maybe 10 hours into it just on and off since I picked it up. And it really feels that I'm making progress as I'm playing. And even on loops, it is frustrating when I when I don't pay close enough attention and then I, I lose a bunch of resources when clearly I should have I should have jumped out. And now that I know I can jump out midway through the loop, like if I'm about to head into a like a, a four monster fight and no, I'm not going to make it through. Uh, that is very helpful. Like it's always important to remember that you, you're going to keep doing this over and over again so that if you jump out and you think, ah, maybe it's safe to cash out here, definitely do so because you're going to do another loop. And, and that's the thing is that it is the randomness, the randomness of the loop, like how it looks, I find isn't really something that's come into play of like, oh man, I got a really cool loop structure, so I want to keep with this. That hasn't really been sort of my takeaway as I go through the game. It's more been the kind of cards that you get because there are other cards you're getting where, um, like for example, there's the treasury card. So you lay down the treasury card and the idea is every card you place around that treasury is going to give you a piece of equipment and a or a resource. And when you completely surround the treasury, it opens it up and gives you a whole bunch of equipment and resources, which you then use to either keep going and and then bring those resources back to town and, and build up. But there's a consequence when you uh, complete a treasury and unlock it, it spawns a goblin camp on the circuit randomly. And that adds more stronger enemies for you to deal with. So there's like this give and take to everything you do and the whole point is to um, place as you know, fill this bar and you fill the bar by placing cards. And um, I found like chapter one, like it was pretty easy after a while just, you know, to fill that bar and spawn the boss. But in chapter two, I'm struggling to fill the bar and I'm not even like halfway through that bar to spawn the boss. And like I'm being swamped by all these monsters on the circuit. So it's uh, it feels like there's good progression to be made and um i mean you mentioned playing it on phone i actually i usually do this with these types of games where i'll have it run on my computer and then access it through steam link on my tablet so i've been playing on steam link on the tablet so as if it's a tablet that's game some, works that's really some well high level nerd work there ryan good job Oh, well, you know me. I just, uh, it, it's funny when people say, like, I can't wait to this. I think the other one was Ancient Enemy, which was like another sort of solitaire-esque card game. And I yeah. thought, oh, this would be really good on tablet. And that one was, you know, a little bit of uh, trouble. But this one with direct cursor, 
it's just like tapping and stuff and it works really well of course a native tablet version would be ideal but in this instance it works it works really well so if you are you know looking to play you know loop hero away from the computer which is something that often comes to mind because it's like i don't want to be in my office anymore just run it on the computer and load it up on the tablet through steam link it works really well and again it's a passive game so like you're not really like lag isn't an issue because you know it, it it's it's active but it's not so it's it's a really cool game you know what's not a passive game what's that legend of zelda breath of the wild oh no are you gonna talk about that again i love that game but no you don't sound like you love it uh, i i don't I love breath of the wild it's one of those things where uh i i i just want the sequel i want i want to i want to talk about breath of the wild too you know i'm just curious how many korok seeds do you remember Ugh, getting i don't know i mean i think it's crazy how many people i don't know like maybe i feel it was high because there was like a thousand in the game there's like 900 in the yeah, game. yeah so i would be i wouldn't be surprised if i i you know just passively collected like 300 or so yeah that i high. think but no, no th- like that would be high that would be like because i'm you know i haven't unlocked all the areas yet my gwen and i are playing and when we we keep an eye out for koroks obviously and we're at like 115 koroks seeds and i think that likely by the time we're done we will be like you know close to 300 but the fact that there's 900 like i thought about that the other day i'm like man that's crazy there's so many things uh, you know korok seeds in this game um uh just you know i'm not gonna belabor the point that's a little <laughs> bit of an inside joke from dungeons and diapers but the reality is that my daughter and i are playing breath of the wild every day it's still the game that i'm playing the most of i never finished it the first time when i played it on wii u and playing it on switch now um with my daughter every night she's six and I'm doing the playing and she's doing the cooking and it's super awesome. And every time we have a new great adventure and I've found so much stuff that I did not find last time. One, one joke that I was making to her was about how it wasn't a joke. It was a comment I made. It was, I said, one thing I was disappointed about breath of the wild man is that there's so many mini games in Zelda games. Like I remember going into towns in, in, in like Ocarina majora's mask any of these games and there would be all the all the shops would have like some sort of mini game you know like a random thing for rupees or pieces of hearts or whatever like uh and uh and i love those games and i was like breath of the wild is awesome but it, it you know it's missing those it, there are no mini games the only mini game that we had found at that point was like there's a guy who has in a fishing village that has three chests and that you can bet on which one has the money in it. And that's it. So you just open one of three chests, not much of a game really. And I, I, and that's actually what keyed me into being disappointed. I was like, man, you know, there needs to be more mini games, but it's almost as if, as soon as I said it, it brought like, I ended up finding all these mini games, like all this, like I found ones where we just did one in a Canyon where you're bowling, uh, where you're, where you're playing golf, uh, with a giant boulder, uh, with a Goron. It's like Goron golf or something like that. Oh. We've done, we've done ones where, where it's like we're horseback riding and we got to shoot targets within a certain time period or, uh, ones where we have to take our horse and jump over hurdle, um, like, 
equestrian style hurdles, all of this stuff within a certain time period. Often it's within the framework of the game's mechanics. Um, but there, there is a bunch of these mini games, but I guess the world is just absolutely so huge that they're also spread out that, um, that you don't really realize they're all there. So I, and, and most of them I missed last time. And so this time it, it is fun to, uh, to find them. Um, like if you're just going after the main quest line and the divine beasts and all of this sort of stuff, there's huge swaths of the world that you just do not need to go to. And last time I didn't, and this time I am, and it, it definitely some, some great stuff there. So that's it. Breath of the Wild is still awesome. If you haven't played it yet, you should, if you did play it, you should play it again. If you have children, you should play it with them. Uh, if they're too young to play it, you should make them watch blind, wear a blindfold while you play it. They can listen to the sounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if they're, if they're halfway there, you can have them do the cooking and you can do the, the killing, uh, all in all, uh, just an amazing game. I like it. Yeah, no, it's a great game. And I always, I always feel this weird feeling in the back of my mind where I'm like, I never finished that DLC and I love that game. And I feel like maybe... If it weren't for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, I could see myself as soon as Breath of the Wild 2 has like a solid release date, it's like it's happening, here's what it is and it's and it's releasing at, on this date. I could see myself going back to the Breath of the Wild, but even you talking about it and the mini games and stuff, it's like, yeah. I remember playing that game and there was just stuff tucked away. And if you liked all the stuff they had in that game, like if nothing upset you about that game, like the the issue of breath of the wild on on this show is that i think i i enjoy i enjoyed i didn't dislike anything about breath of the wild um there was things that were certainly annoying but there were but i kind of like i, I took it in stride and they were part of the game and they and i i found the fun like even in the rain and the climbing and the stamina bar and the breaking weapons like i i was able to look at it in a way that still made it fun and, and didn't oh yeah the game. none of that stuff bothers me yeah but i know you know jocelyn had you know issues with the breaking weapons the 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 rain and and also just the the world feeling empty but i think that was part of what i liked about it in that it was it was a calm quiet exploration focused world and normally i don't like that stuff but i think the combination of it being a zelda game and then just this world feeling so empty yet so filled with things because like yeah it looks empty but like digging a little deeper and you're finding korok seeds and mini games and characters and there are definitely annoying things about the game but yeah yeah like, I miss I, it, like you know i maybe maybe there's annoying things i don't see them really like almost all that stuff like the world is is in the state it's in there which following the narrative there's a lot of um npc stuff that if you know where to look like uh, uh, that's one thing i found there's a giant storyline in one of the villages that i completely missed last time um there's uh there's and and also just like like stuff like the broken weapons like people are always go back to the broken weapons and it, and it's true like that's a, a game mechanic that can be somewhat annoying but at the same time i'm a hoarder in rpgs and i never use my best stuff ever i finished the final fantasy games with like 15 elixirs of everything you know it's just like it's like there's no reason to use them like you're like maybe maybe i'll get to a super mega boss where i'll need this you know 
Um, and, and, uh, breath of the wild is just like, use your stuff, like, because it's, it, it'll break and there'll be new stuff. And like, you never, you know, you get this awesome new weapon, but it's, you know, it, it, everything is transient and there's something about that, that I actually appreciate. And it makes me like, I still assign value to things, but not in the same way that I would, you know, I would normally. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I get, I get the, the little uh, annoyances, but like, it's such a well-crafted piece of entertainment. And when I compare it to say No Man's Sky, which is extremely impressive, but randomly generated, this is the opposite of that. It is the same exploration feeling, but this time everything has been curated down to like a fine, you know, blade of grass. Like you just, everything is connected and everything is put together. And yeah, there's some areas that are better than others, but you can never say for sure uh, that there isn't going to be a Korok here. There isn't going to be something hidden under the water. Or there isn't going to be, you know, and that's not even in counting all the, the physical powers and all the stuff that we can do. Most of all, though, like playing with my kid, I really do appreciate that we have like an hour max to play a night and we always have some sort of adventure. And w when we're doing bedtime, we're all abuzz talking about whatever that adventure was, you know, be it encountering a, a, an evil Lionel or be by finding a hidden shrine or by, you know, like a, a, every time magical dragons that are flying in the sky, there's always something. And um, it's just very like it captures the imagination in that way. And it's very, you know, has a, has a very real spirit of adventure, which is what I think they were going for. I won't belabor the point, but I will say that we are in a dry gaming spell right now. Uncharted 4 on your PS4, Breath of the Wilds on your Switch. Like these are oldies but goodies. Yeah. You can send me fan mail, say Crofton, you know, <laughs> you were right. Breath of the Wild is good. Finally, somebody says it. Yeah. I mean, I've been, we've all been saying it. It's yeah, a, nobody it's a said moment. it until now. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it, it had to happen eventually. Well, you know what? Before we move into the news, uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, we are looking for our next featured patron. You can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in support the show directly. And if you want, you can also get uh, early access to the TGI Patreon mini through the uh, Patreon audio RSS. So, uh, definitely go over there and check that out. Uh, moving into the news, we have a couple of, uh, I don't, they're kind of quick stories, but um, this was a big, Game Pass has been getting a lot of news this week. But in my mind, the biggest news was the fact that Out, Outriders, which is a new cross-generation Destiny-like game from uh, studio People Can Fly, uh, and it's being published by Square Enix. It is coming to Xbox Game Pass day and date, April 1st. Um, so it'll be available on Xbox One and Series X slash S. Uh, there is a demo available right now, and this is a big deal because this is a this is the next, what I would probably say, the next big game that's being released uh, from a from a third-party cross-generation experience. I think the last one probably would have been Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, but uh, this one, it has a demo. I played it on Resident the... Evil. Uh, well, Re Re oh, Resident Evil 8 is coming out, I think, in May. So, like, that'll probably be the next one for sure. Uh, when's Outriders coming out? Sorry, did you say? April 1st. Yeah, it's coming out April 1st. Oh, oh yeah. It's oh, okay. right, yes. They're not, they're, they're non, it's not a practical joke. I remember seeing it in their, in their, 
their their release. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did have to say it wasn't an April Fool's. You know, it's funny. I, I, uh, the world is. I do. Let's just not do April Fools again this year. I think last year was or ever. Uh, yeah, or ever. But I mean, baby steps. Um, it, I, you know, I played Outriders has a demo available uh, on all platforms that it's coming to. I played it on PlayStation Five, and I will say this: this I played the demo before the Game Pass news, and I played it on PS Five, and it very much feels like one of those cross-generation games where it feels like they're not taking full advantage of the next generation hardware and it feels sort of held back by the previous generation. Um, And uh, it also has the issues of uh, kind of blandness. Uh, The VO is really bad. Like it's super cheesy and awkward and very all over the place. The story is somewhat interesting. Um, You are... It's very Andromeda-like in that you're sent from, you know, Earth has collapsed and has died, and you are on these two colony ships that go to this planet, and, you know, shocker, things go wrong on that planet, which causes uh, basically the, the plot of the game. But the idea is that through these anomalies that are happening on the on this new planet, you get powers. Um, before you get those powers, the combat's kind of like just a straight-up third-person sort of Gears of War-type shooter, but then once you have your powers, it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. But still, it's a—it's uh, not. It doesn't feel really great, as great as you would want it to feel. But the fact that it's coming to Game Pass, it kind of changes things. Like for the most part, from a value perspective, like being able to subscribe to Game Pass to check it out and maybe get a bit further than what the demo offers, it might be appealing, uh, more appealing than than paying like the the ninety dollar price tag to to check it out. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting that it's coming to Game Pass day one. I think if you check out the demo, you might as well play it on you know the Xbox platform if you have that available to you. Uh, this way you can you can carry over your save, which will carry over from the demo. But I kind of got a lot of like, and Mass Effect Andromeda feel, not in a good way. And um, uh, I don't know if you've played any of the games made by Spiders. They do sort of like they're like a Bioware esque studio but like um sort of uh i don't want to say low budget but like not a triple a budget um their latest game greedfall kind of also feels very much like this so again it's just there's something missing from outriders when i played it and it just feels like they're trying to hit that high bar of like a mass effect slash destiny and i just there's some there's a lot missing there but the fact that this is coming to game pass is is very good for this game because i think it's going to help it uh do well um reminds me of like when rocket league released on uh originally uh, i think day day one on ps plus or whatever Mm -hmm. uh got a huge bump from that and uh maybe that'll happen here i'll be honest until uh, I agreed to guest on the show today, <laughs> and I consider myself pretty well informed in the world of video games. I had no idea what this game was, and I watched the trailer today in prep, you know, for the show. And I looked up an article and stuff. I was like, "What is this game?" And uh, I, I will say that, like the the whole way that these types of games are are going, like the games as a service type stuff um the destinies the whatever like i've never been a big fan of that i've never latched on to one it it, it feels like that they're always products more than their games i i just makes me feel like hits my heebie-jeebies a little bit 
But um, but I will say that I was watching some of the gameplay footage, and people can fly made Bloodstorm, I think. Or, yes, they did. Uh, Bulletstorm. Well. Bulletstorm, right. And um, Bulletstorm, I, en- I enjoyed. I remember starting to play it and being like, at the beginning, being like, oh, this isn't going to be for me. But then it's so tongue-in-cheek, and then the, the it just felt so fun to play at one point. And as much as I, I, I'm starting to get sick of the games where the numbers pop out of dudes' heads when you shoot them. Um, like, I, like I, I miss the days when it was just blood splurts, but now it's like, oh, we got to see the damage numbers. Um, but, but the gameplay itself from the video looked very much like a more actiony Gears of War, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a more actiony Gears of War. That's like. That's like saying a more actiony diehard, you know, like a more uh, uh, action on top of action. Um, And so, so yeah, no, I just, I, I I find that this one looks like it's, it might be fun to play, like feel good in my hand, uh, but it, everything about it, like from the world building to the ultra violence, all of that, none of that stuff appeals to me really. Yeah. It's, like once you unlock the powers i'll say this like it doesn't do it any, the game doesn't do itself any any favors by having you linger before you unlock uh powers because once you unlock the powers it the dynamic changes from a cover-based shooter to a very active like using your power using your powers builds up your shields and then your shields allow you to use more of your powers and then you again it's it's this cycle so it encourages you to be move constantly moving constantly killing and uh constantly using your powers that are always you know on a loop and once i got into that it was it was if okay i can see how this would be fun um i was listening to giant bomb today and they were talking about it and i guess you 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 had reminded me in calling it a game as a service they've actually said like it's not a game as a service it's like all the content is in the game and if it does well, we'll do DLC. But it's unlike Destiny in that it's not a living it's a it's a living game, and that there's co op and stuff. But what you what you get is is on the disc. It's kind of like a Mass Effect experience where the whole story, all the levels, all the gameplay, it's all available at launch. Unlike a, like Marvel's Avengers, which was very much here's the first chunk please be patient for the next couple chunks and please wait for yeah. the next two hawkeyes yeah yeah we talked about that last week and the fact that they yeah, led I with know. two hawkeyes and then and then decided to make spider-man a marketing tool is an interesting choice um but uh yeah outriders i i think uh now that it's coming to game pass i i might boot it up on the xbox one x and i mean that is the disadvantage where um, I, I'm moving from the PS5 down to the Xbox One X, but I mean, if you have Game Pass and you have the Xbox platform, you might as well check it out because it is fun. And, and like Crofton said, there's not a lot of games coming out, and this is one of those games that uh, that that is <laughs> coming out. So uh, it's worth checking out if you have Game Pass. But uh, definitely play the demo, and you kind of you kind of see where I'm coming from. Like you you do the story, you do, it's not very good. That's a back of the box quote from Ryan Murphy. Look, there's not a lot of games coming out, but this <laughs> is a game that is coming out. Yes. You should try it. No, it's like, <laughs> and there's probably like a lot Ryan of like dot, dot, dots in between what yeah. I'm saying yeah. so they can make it sound more positive. Um, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. This is a game that will be released. Ryan Murphy, the gamer's in. 
Yeah. I don't, I think, I have a feeling they'll have better quotes that they can put on the box. I, I, you know, it's just, it's one of those experiences where the combat is some, it, it, the combat, once you get into it, is is kind of interesting and feels very fair and very powerful. But the second you go back to town, you're having this, like, conversation with one of the quest givers or the vendors. It's just like, oh my god, like, this is just, did they not, you know, read this aloud when they were writing it? Did they not ask for it's not even like bad takes it's just like it's so cheesy and awkward and it's it's weird because Bulletstorm had it had it had a good vo it had it had good storytelling like they were able to weave a, a story with actors in a way that didn't feel out of place i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm not remembering that game it, it it was like ridiculous, but uh, it was it was like they went they took years of war and were like this isn't macho enough, but um, but it, it it was good whatever it was good. Well, so I'm, Outriders, I may check it out if I get it for free on Game Pass and people are playing it. Uh, I had not heard of it before today, but you know what? That's not a reason not to try something. Last year, some of my best experiences were games that like completely came out of left field. Hades was not on my radar before I started playing it. And then I was like, wait, this game's super awesome. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe Outriders will be this year's Hades. There, back of the it. box quote, Croft and Steers, the gamers in. Yeah. Outriders, the new Hades. Yeah, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, it. dot. <laughs> but uh you you brought a news story here because uh, i said what other news it's been a slow news week a lot of game pass news but uh, i did see this dark alliance is coming back um i remember i think i had the poster from like a, a game informer or an edge magazine and that's about my experience with dark alliance it is funny because people are like, uh, it, you know, when something comes back that you kind of have forgotten about, it, all of a sudden it pumps your nostalgia. You're like, oh, my God, that was so good. And IGN uh, just ran a feature on their front page, like top 10 RPGs of the uh, PS2 era. And they put Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance like number three or something. And I was like, OK, look. I love Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, but that's too high. <laughs> there was a lot of great RPGs on the PS2. You're only saying that because of this new trailer. Uh, but uh, but I will say that uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance is a game I have a super huge soft spot for. And so, like, looking at the new trailer, you know, it, it it's hard to draw the line from, from what the PS2 game was. But essentially what it was was taking games like Diablo uh, and and turning them into like console uh, versions, more level by level, but you could play with your friends. And what like the Diablo three console versions are, are like almost direct descendants from from these games, as are the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, the X Men Legend games. The idea that you would w walk around as a group, you pick up this loot, you know, uh, really. Um, really compelling uh gameplay at the time and i remember i played it even with my wife on ps2 and we had a, re a really good time uh, we weren't married at that time but we were we were just young and in love and playing Baldur's gate uh, dark alliance um and uh it, it sony was really big into it too they uh they ended up like they had EverQuest and they put out a couple like I think it was Chronicles of Norath or whatever the world of EverQuest is. They had a couple of games in the series that was essentially cribbed entirely from the Dark Alliance model. So like Dark Alliance is, is um, you know, it pioneered this sort of way of like 
turning these cooperative console RPGs, having them work uh, in a way that was fun to play. And so, yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. It is a loot game and it is funny because now as an idol, I'm like most of those games, I'm like, oh, forget this. Uh, but Dark Alliance was one that I have a soft spot for. So, you know, when when this comes out, I am for sure going to check it out at the very at very least. And right now, uh, we still are looking for those great games that you can play with a few of your buddies, um, and, you know, that get that co-op experience. They, they're all directly from Gauntlet. Like, if you go back in time far enough, it's Gauntlet. There was even mm-hmm. Gauntlet games on the N64 that were like 3D and had some RPG elements to it. And then this was kind of like that next step. Um, so you don't need to know about Dungeons and Dragons or even the Baldur's Gate universe to get on board with like just smashing shit up with your dwarf axe, you know? Yeah. And I guess the news for this was like, I guess this game was announced last summer, but it's coming out. This was like a there was a trailer. And it's coming out June 22nd. So if you're looking forward to games that are coming out, there's one in June now too. So pretty pretty hot off the presses type news type stuff happening. Yeah, no, that's right. That's how desperate people are for news. Game is coming out. Let us let us talk about it, right? So, uh, no, I, I and I, and I do think that like you 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 know you mentioned the Game Pass stuff, but. Um, it is it is a good time to get into old games like uh, Bethesda's stuff. Like that sale has just been finalized. All their stuff is is popped up on the PC game uh, pass. Some of it had been there before, but got, being removed. But now now it, it it's all there. Uh, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, like I miss Prey. I've heard tons of good stuff about Prey. Probably going to go back uh, and check that out. There's some other there's some other great games on there. I, I, I didn't play Doom Eternal last year. It's on there. You know, oh, uh, my wow. buddy Bo yeah. talks about it all the time as a, as, as a good one. So I'm going to check that one out. So there's a lot of great stuff that's just being dumped on Game Pass uh, that I'm looking forward uh, to checking out. So Game Pass has had a big week full show yeah yeah for sure i would uh i would recommend prey and doom eternal um on your pc with that new monitor of yours i think you would really really dig the the hdr pop on those ones um i also did not play much of prey i need to get back to it although i know it's like you said it's a game that is very uh very well reviewed and, and a lot of people hold it in high regard i just never I don't know what it was. A, I think it came out around some some other games, and it just it uh, did. I remember the timing and everything was, and there was a lot of these types of games. Arcane itself had made Dishonored and Dishonored Two and Dishonored: Death of the Outsider, and all of that was you know fairly recent in mind. And then the Prey Prey was out. It was and um and then uh, near the tail end of Prey, and again I did not play it, and I'm sure uh, uh, some people did and have have talked fondly about it. Um, is is this moon crash dlc which is supposedly a whole other separate game mode and, and the death loop the new game from arcane is heavily inspired from so i'm i am keen to check that out i know prey will be uh, my jam and i am looking to play it on my screen because i also think that my mom my my poor my poor widow pc is going to be able to handle it i think it can i think it'll be able to run that game we yeah. will see I think Prey is a 2017 game. It should run fine on your not-so-2021 PC. So, uh, well, Crofton, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, you should uh, jump into our Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord, and let them all know about your love of Breath of the Wild. 
Um, or you can email the show info at gamersinpodcast.com and we'll certainly pass that information along to Crofton so that he knows you love Breath of the Wild as well. Uh, Crofton, where can all our listeners find you on the internet if they wanted to let you know uh, about Breath of the Wild or something? They can they can reach me at Crofton Steers on the Twitter. I am there uh, and they can interact with me and it's going to be great. And I will talk back to them and we'll exchange recipes and it'll be all fun. But I would say that if they're going to do one thing that will make their lives better, they should listen to Dungeons and Diapers with Crofton and Ryan. Uh, they might have kids and, and then this, it will change their life. Because they will they will see how how we balance kids with some of this geeky stuff. But even if they don't have kids, I think they will enjoy uh, the stories, everything ranging from from bylaw officer adventures to uh, to pool oh. uh, pools that get filled and unfilled. It's just you never know. The twists and turns keep coming, and so they can do that. Uh, there's uh, the uh, geez, the, we have our own Twitter account D and D Cast, right? Yeah, at, that, that's at, it. at D&D cast nailed it. And, uh, and you can go to uh, TGI studios.com slash dad. And uh, all that good stuff is there. You should listen to Dungeons and Diapers, subscribe, put it in your ears. And then it won't just be when Croft and guests on the gamers in, you'll get him and Ryan all the time. And, uh, and that, that'll be awesome for you. So, so thank you uh, for having me, Ryan. And I uh, hope Jocelyn feels better soon. Appreciate you being on the show and definitely check out Dungeons and Diapers. We have a great time over there. Uh, I was hoping we, we would make it through the show without the pool coming up, but um, as as uh, destined to be, it's okay. It's Sorry, okay. buddy. I don't miss it. I just like to be reminded about it. Um, but yeah, definitely check out that show. If you want more Gamers In, you go to GamersInPodcast.com. As Crofton said, you can follow us all on Twitter. He's at Crofton Steers. You can find Jocelyn at Joss Plays. You can find me at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Tune in next week. Have yourself a fantastic time. Bye, everybody. Bye.